Welcome back to another episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we'll be diving deep into a fascinating research paper from the field of financial mathematics. That's right. Pricing and Hedging for a Sticky Diffusion by Alexis Anagnostakis. This paper offers a variant of the well-known Black Skulls model, introducing us to the concept of a sticky, geometric, Brownian motion. To our listeners who might be scratching their heads, don't worry. We'll guide you through everything, starting with why this paper is so significant. The Black Skulls model forms a cornerstone for option pricing, and it assumes a riskless replication strategy for hedging financial products. This paper challenges that with the introduction of a stickiness feature in the asset price dynamic. Traditionally, the Black Skulls model operates under several assumptions, notably that asset prices follow a geometric Brownian motion. However, the sticky version introduces the idea that prices occasionally become sticky around certain thresholds. This behavior is not just a theoretical curiosity. It's inspired by empirical observations, such as that seen during corporate takeovers, where asset prices tend to linger at certain levels. Key concepts addressed in the paper are those of no arbitrage conditions, risk-neutral valuation, and riskless replication. For those unacquainted with the jargon, arbitrage refers to the opportunity of securing risk-free profits due to price imbalances, while risk-neutral is an approach to pricing where we assume investors are indifferent to risk. The paper proposes that the model is arbitrage-free only if a constant interest rate R equals zero. It then finds a unique riskless replication strategy for this scenario and derives the associated pricing equation. All right, let's now dig into the core of the paper, which will be a bit more detailed. Anagnostakis has established that the no-arbitrage condition, an essential concept in financial math to prevent risk-free profits from trading, holds in this modified model only if the interest rate R is equal to zero. The paper carefully assesses this by defining the sticky model, where they consider the price of a risky asset to be displaying sticky behavior at a certain price level, which can be described as a diffusion process. In the usual Black Skulls model, continuous trading is assumed, but here the author proves the unique riskless hedging strategy in a sticky environment. But perhaps the most intriguing takeaway is related to the practical implications, right, Tom? Yes, indeed. The paper provides insights on hedging strategies during those sticky periods and discusses the impact of discrete time hedging, essentially how often you adjust your hedging strategy. Now on to the implications. Anagnostakis offers valuable observations on the no-arbitrage condition through numerical evaluations. The model suggests that the real world could indeed experience sticky behaviors. Finally, the conclusion. The paper offers a fresh perspective on how asset prices behave and are evaluated. Importantly, it potentially opens new doors for developing financial models that mirror real market dynamics more closely. Personal reflections. I find the concept of stickiness quite intuitive once you think about market psychology and external factors that might cause prices to stick. Now, that's been quite a journey. We hope you enjoyed learning about pricing and hedging for a sticky diffusion, and we encourage you to read the full paper for a more detailed understanding. Remember, finance is not just about numbers. It's about how the real world behaves, and models like these help us get one step closer to understanding that complexity. 
Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Are you tired of the same old meatloaf Monday and Taco Tuesday? It sounds like you're stuck in a three-dimensional dinner rut, Tom. But fear not, foodies of the fifth dimension. That's right, Jen. Introducing Forkward Dimensions, Inc., where your gastronomic journey knows no bounds. Ever dreamed of feasting on a fractal frittata that satisfies your stomach in multiple realities? Or maybe you're craving a taste of the antimatter appetizers that annihilate your appetite. With our revolutionary dimensional fork, you can pierce through the fabric of space-time, one meal at a time. It's like your taste buds hitched a ride on a comet through the cosmos, only to land in a buffet beyond imagination. So if you're ready to transcend the mundane marinara and soar into the savory stratosphere, set your coordinates for Forkward Dimensions, where every bite is a quantum leap for your mouth. Forkward Dimensions, Inc., piercing through the fabric of space-time, one delicious dimension-defying bite at a time. Terms and conditions apply. Multiverse indigestion is not covered under standard health insurance. Welcome back to another episode of our award-winning podcast, where we demystify the world of machine learning and finance. I'm your host, Tom, and with me is the brilliant Jen. Thanks, Tom. Today, we're diving into something quite complex and fascinating, the use of machine learning methods to price American-style path-dependent contracts. It's a paper that's been creating waves in the financial engineering community, and we're here to break it down for you. To understand why this paper is a big deal, you need to get that financial products with early termination features are very popular. They let investors exit their positions before maturity under certain conditions, which makes pricing these products quite challenging. Absolutely, Tom. The paper looks at the pricing of Amerasian options, American-style options with Asian payoff features, and look-back options with early termination features. These options are complex because they depend on the entire history of the underlying asset's price, not just its current price. Now, before we dive deep into the paper's content, let's make sure we're all on the same page with some basic concepts. First up, path, dependency, and options. Jen, can you give us an intuitive explanation? Sure. Imagine you and I are betting on the path a hiker takes up a mountain. A path-dependent bet would mean that the payout depends not just on where the hiker ends up, but on the actual route they took to get there. That's what we mean when we talk about path-dependent financial contracts. That's a great explanation. Now let's move on to the techniques and the findings this paper presents. Jen, what can you tell us about the key methodologies used? This paper showcases the application of cutting-edge machine learning techniques, like randomized feed-forward neural networks, which are like a recipe that takes past stock prices as ingredients and outputs an option price. And it doesn't stop there. It also introduces recurrent neural networks and signature methods to take into account the sequential nature of price movements. Plus, the authors propose a novel method for calculating option sensitivities, which are crucial for risk management. Speaking of risk management, the paper also explores how these pricing methods can be applied to callable certificates, which are complex products that can be terminated by the issuer under certain conditions. Now let's talk about implications. This research has the potential to significantly impact how financial institutions price these complex products, making it more efficient and perhaps even more accurate. Indeed. 
The traditional methods can struggle with the high dimensionality of these problems, but machine learning offers an intriguing alternative that could streamline this whole process. As we wrap up, let's reflect on this paper's broader relevance. It's not just about pricing contracts more effectively. It represents a shift towards embracing machine learning in financial practices, which could revolutionize many aspects of the industry. And that's it for our deep dive into this groundbreaking paper. We hope you enjoyed the journey through the intersection of finance and machine learning, and that you found it as insightful as we did. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Remember, the world of finance is ever-evolving, and machine learning is becoming an increasingly important part of this evolution. Stay tuned for more episodes where we unpack the complex world of finance. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone, and keep learning. Are you tired of paddling your way through romance, Jen? Absolutely, Tom. Who needs muscle cramps when love is in the air, right? Then you'll adore our sponsor, Solaraglide Inc., the maestros of solar-powered gondolas. Imagine, dear listeners, you're in the heart of a sun-kissed Venice, but instead of an oar, you've got cutting-edge solar panels. No more oar splashes on your date's fabulous outfit. With Solaraglide, where the sun sets, the adventure rises. Experience the bliss of silence as you glide through canals, aided by the latest in serene solar propulsion. And for our lovebirds out there, the Solar Serenade package will have you clinking glasses of the bubbliest solar seltzer. Harvested from happy rain clouds and kissed by the sun itself. And if you're more of an adrenaline junkie, try the Photon Flotilla experience. Dart along with a fleet of light-chasing gondolas, all while flapping solar sails. Solariglide Inc. promises you an eco-friendly journey so magical, you'll forget the boats beneath you don't actually exist. So, why row when you can glow? Solara glide away with us. Hello, and welcome back to our award-winning podcast where we dive deep into intriguing topics with the help of data and expert analysis. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're unraveling an intricate and crucial topic in the banking sector. That's right, the development of a bankruptcy prediction model for banks in Mozambique, and our focus is on linear discriminant analysis. Jen, this is serious stuff because the stability of the banking sector is fundamental to any country's economy. And with Mozambique experiencing banking sector turmoil back in 2016, it's about time this research was conducted. Absolutely, Tom. The central research paper we're discussing today is from the Applied Economics and Finance Journal. It outlines the creation of a model to predict bank bankruptcies in Mozambique using financial and prudential indicators within a specific period. Now that we set the stage, let's delve into the meat of the paper, shall we? Let's do it. So the significance of this paper lies in its context. Mozambique does not have a priorly developed bankruptcy prediction model tailored to the national environment. Given the financial shocks experienced in 2016, such a model is pivotal. Key concepts we need to understand here are financial ratios, discriminant analysis, and of course, accurately reading indicators to predict bankruptcy. We'll take them step by step so it becomes crystal clear. Starting with the core of the paper, the researchers had objectives that revolved around developing a bankruptcy prediction model using a method called linear discriminant analysis on Mozambique Bank's data from 2012 to 2020. They assumed certain sample compositions 
and robustness of financial prediction indicators like capital structure, profitability, asset concentration, and asset quality. And the findings? They're promising. The developed model boasted an 84% accuracy level one year before central bank intervention, recommending it as a risk management tool for the banking sector. When we look at the implications and applications, this model could fundamentally change how banks in Mozambique manage risk, considering early indicators of financial distress. Wrapping up, the paper implants a new perspective on risk management in the Mozambican banking sector, promoting stability and foresight. It also opens up new avenues for research in the field. Yeah, Jen, it's a reminder of the continuous evolution in financial analysis and the pressing need for regional context in model development. To our listeners, we hope this episode has enlightened you on the intricacies of bankruptcy prediction in banking and the perpetual importance of financial stability. This has been an eye-opener on the need to address economic challenges with innovative solutions. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to catch our next episode where we decode more complex topics and transform them into digestible knowledge morsels. Until next time, keep your minds sharp and your finances sharper. This is Jen. And Tom, signing off from our award-winning podcast, Where Data Meets Dialogue. Do you suffer from the sorrows of subpar scrawling? Are your potions powerful, but your pens pitiful? Then it's time to embark upon a quest. A quill quest? At QuillQuest Inc., our wizard's fountain pens are more than mere writing tools. They're wands of wonder that weave words into the very fabric of fantasy. No more dipping, dripping, or mundane scripting. With our enchanted ink, sourced from the secret springs of Scribulus, your words will waltz across the parchment with unparalleled elegance. And you can forget those embarrassing ink blobs during incantations. Unless you're into that sort of thing, no judgment here. But that's not all. Our pens perform pyrotechnic poetry and... Sly spell-checking for when your grammar isn't as potent as your potions. And for the thrill-seekers... These beauties transform into tiny broomsticks. So climb the bookshelves with ease, or just give your cat a flying frenzy. But beware, these pens pack a punch. We're not responsible for hexing your ex. Or accidentally bewitching your biography to berate your bad baking. The power of prose is in your palms with QuillQuest Ink. Where inky enchantments come to life. Don't let your writing dreams turn into parchment paper nightmares. Visit QuillQuest Inc. and choose your charm. It's not just writing. Tom, it's a quest for the quintessential quill. Welcome to our latest podcast episode. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're diving deep into the world of empirical finance to explore the paper Epistemic Limits of Empirical Finance, Causal Reductionism and Self-Reference by Daniel Polakow, Tim Gebby, and Emlyn Flint. Empirical finance is a field that's all about using real-world data to understand how financial markets behave. It's a blend of economics, statistics, and finance that tries to get at the why behind market movements. This paper is significant because it challenges conventional thinking in finance. It questions the extent to which markets, complex systems filled with human actors, can really be understood using traditional scientific methods that look for clear cause and effect relationships. Indeed, Jen. The authors argue that financial markets are reflexive, meaning they have the ability to influence themselves. For example, traders react to the market 
but the market also reacts to traders' actions. This creates a feedback loop that complicates the traditional view of causality. Before we dive deeper, let's unpack some key concepts. Empirical finance is a data-driven approach to understand financial markets. Think of it like the scientific method applied to finance. Causal reductionism is the idea that we can explain market behavior by identifying simple cause and effect relationships. Basically, it assumes that if we know the cause, we can predict the effect. The paper also delves into epistemology, which is the study of knowledge itself, its nature, limitations, and scope. Here, the authors are asking, what can we truly know and predict about financial markets? Now that we've laid out some groundwork, let's dive into the meat of the research. The authors kick things off by discussing the resurgence of interest in causal inference. It's an important component of scientific inquiry and has roots in philosophy dating back to Hume in the 18th century. They critique the approach taken by quantitative finance QF that's been purging incorrect statistical methods and striving for explanatory economic models. This approach can sometimes be disconnected from the reality of inherently complex and open-ended markets. The researchers focus on the epistemic norms in markets, essentially the rules that govern what constitutes valid or invalid knowledge in finance. They also discuss self-referential systems, where the system can influence and reflect upon itself. Markets are full of actors whose strategies respond to the market, which in turn influence those strategies, a nuanced dance of cause and effect. The authors take this tension between open and reflexive systems versus traditional closed causal models and lay out a framework for understanding how financial models might limit our understanding of empirical finance. Moving into the methodology, they use ecological models to illustrate competing casual chains in a simple reflexive system that generates complex dynamics. They provide a detailed example with logistic function models that feature growth rates and carrying capacities that, once perturbed, display unpredictable dynamics. The key takeaway here is that markets might appear to adhere to closed system dynamics in the short term, but over time, reflexivity can lead to behaviors and inefficiencies that challenge traditional causal models. This spills over into the implications and applications of their findings. The existence of persistent and non-arbitrageable market inefficiencies could mean that mainstream financial theories might not always apply in real-world contexts. It's about the difference between explanation after the fact and prediction before the fact. If markets are truly reflexive and subject to feedback loops, then relying solely on past data to predict future outcomes can be deeply problematic. As we wrap up our discussion, the authors conclude by cautioning against overreaching the capabilities of current financial models. They suggest that empirical finance needs to come to terms with the limits of causal predictions. They recommend that financial modeling should consider the reflexive nature of markets and adjust its epistemological stance accordingly. It's about calibrating models to facilitate decision-making under uncertainty rather than assuming they provide definitive forecasts. Finally, they reflect on the philosophical implications of their work, surmising that empirical finance is in many ways at a crossroads. It may need to evolve beyond traditional methods to embrace a more complex understanding of markets. This paper is a fascinating exploration into the heart of what we assume, what we know, and what we can predict about financial markets.
It's a brilliant contribution to the discourse in the field, and it challenges practitioners and theorists alike to think more critically about the tools and assumptions at their disposal. We hope this discussion has illuminated some of the complexities behind empirical finance and sparked your curiosity. Thanks for tuning into our podcast, and we'll catch you next time for another deep dive into the world of finance. Until then, keep questioning and stay curious. Ready for a tea experience that's truly out of this world? Then you need to check out Lunar Brews and Teapots Co. With their Silver Moon Teapot, you're not just brewing tea, you're steeping yourself in cosmic wonder. Forget the spoon. These teapots stir themselves according to the dance of the constellations. Full moon tonight? Get ready for a flavor blast that's like slurping the Milky Way. And on a new moon, your tea whispers the secrets of the void. It's tranquility, people. Each teapot's infused with genuine giggles from the galaxies, because who said the universe doesn't have a sense of humor? And the meteor infuser? It's like catching a shooting star right in your cup. Don't drink too fast, or you might just float away. Lunar Brews and Teapots Co. isn't just a name, it's a promise. A promise to infuse your tea with a touch of moonbeam magic. So listeners, strap in for a cosmic ride with every sip. Beam up your brew today. Thanks to Lunar Brews and Teapots Co. for sponsoring this podcast. Now, let's get back to the show where the fun is always astronomically good. And stay tuned for a chance to win your very own Silver Moon Teapot, because everyone deserves a star kiss tea time. Welcome to our show, The World Unpacked, where we dive deep into topics that shape our world and our future. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today we're discussing a captivating subject that resonates with everyone, climate change, and its wide-ranging impacts on agriculture and conflict. There's a fantastic research paper we've stumbled upon titled Climate, Crops, and Post-Harvest Conflict by David Ubalava. This paper brings new insights into the complex interplay of climate shocks, agricultural output, and political violence. An intriguing aspect of this paper is its focus on the effects of climate variability, specifically El Nino events, on political violence and social unrest. The research encompasses comprehensive data covering the entire continent of Africa from 1997 to 2023. Right, Jen. And before we get into details, let's underline why this paper is so significant. It's not just another study on climate and conflict, but a methodic examination of climate impacts on agriculture and how these translate to post-harvest violence, particularly towards civilians. I love how Ubalava narrows down the effects of El Nino during the crop growing season and correlates these to a reduction in political violence during the following post-harvest season. It gives us a nuanced look at the broader subject of climate's influence on conflict. Absolutely. So let's jump into some key scientific concepts from the paper. At the heart of this study is the El Nino Southern Oscillation, or ENSO. It's a climatic pattern characterized by warming and cooling phases in the Pacific Ocean, affecting global weather patterns. That's right, Tom. But what makes ENSO pivotal is its predictability. El Nino events can be foreseen several months in advance, suggesting that their associated impacts on agricultural societies could be anticipated, providing a chance for intervention in areas prone to conflict. Now, the methodology in Nubalava's paper is remarkable. By using a measure known as the Oceanic Nino Index, or ONI, 
the study connects sea surface temperatures during the peak El Nino season to weather changes in Africa. And the findings? They're quite groundbreaking. The research shows that moderate El Nino events, indicated by a 1-1 degrees increase in the December Oni, are linked to a 3% decrease in violence aimed at civilians in cropland areas compared to average conflict levels. But there's a twist, Jen. This affects surfaces only in regions with agricultural activity and mainly in the wake of the harvest season. It seems that in years when El Nino hurts crop yields, there's less incentive for conflict because, frankly, there's less to fight over. Which is both a troubling and enlightening revelation. It suggests that having crops to secure during the post-harvest season may reduce the likelihood of civilian-targeted political violence. But just before we start reflecting on the implications, Jen, it's important to highlight how this study ties into policy relevance. Because we can foresee El Nino events, this research could help shape early warning systems for political violence in agrarian societies. That's one of the most practical takeaways. And it's not just about preventing conflict, it's about understanding when societies are most vulnerable. Poor harvests don't just lead to food scarcity, but can also signal socioeconomic instability that might lead to future conflicts. To wrap up, Ubalava's paper contributes importantly to our understanding of the climate conflict nexus. By connecting El Nino-induced climate variability with harvest yields and subsequent post-harvest conflict, this research offers a nuanced perspective on managing risks in agrarian economies. It's a study that underscores the urgency to integrate climatic forecasts into our political and social strategies, aiming for a more resilient and proactive stance against the intermediaries of climate-induced conflict. Thank you for joining us on this exploration of this critical topic. We look forward to unpacking more stories that help us understand our world better. Stay tuned. And remember, the climate conversation is everyone's responsibility. Keep talking, keep learning, and keep listening to The World Unpacked. Have you ever looked up at the night sky and thought, hmm, I wish I could taste the stars? Well, now you can with Extraterrestrial Apiaries, Inc., where the honey is as alien as it gets. Yes, folks, strap in and ready your taste buds for a celestial journey with flavors like Andromeda Apple and Saturn's Cinnamon Swirl. Harvested by zero-gravity bees who aren't afraid to sting an asteroid or two for your palate's pleasure. Our sponsors assure us these tiny astronauts go where no bee has gone before, straight to the nebula's nectar. And let's not forget that each jar might just come with a touch of cosmic radiation. Talk about a glowing review. So if you're ready to elevate your breakfast to another dimension, or just pretend you're eating with ET, head on over to Extraterrestrial Apiaries, Inc. Their prices might seem like they're skyrocketing, but so is the honey's flavor profile. Out of this world honey, together straight from the nebula's nectar. Disclaimer, no actual astronauts were ousted from their jobs by bees during the making of this honey. And remember folks, that's Extraterrestrial Apiaries, Inc where the buzz is always bigger in space.